Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. We are without Cole again this week, but I, I'm really, really ecstatic to have these two guys back from the overstated NBA show, Brett Usher and Jacob Birkinshaw. It, boys, it's been long overdue to have you back on, but I'm glad that we could have you here for a very special episode breaking down our rookie of the year ballots, as well as our all rookie first teams and second teams. Although when we were just talking before we got in the air here, sounds like we have more games than than just those what it comes out to 10 spots and then the, the rookie of the year ballot. There are a lot of great players to talk about from this class. So I'll just lead us in. How are you guys doing this week? Are you guys as excited as I am to go through these awards ballots? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I think we can all agree that this class has been much better than a lot of people anticipated. So, yeah, even narrowing it down to 10 is very difficult. So I'll be interested to hear what, what you guys have to say about your all-rookie teams. Yeah, I'd, I've, I've probably deliberated at the final spot on my second team. I've probably given more thought to than even, like, my MVP ballot, honestly. <laughs> like that's how close that's how close it is like well i know how you feel about the mvp so yeah yeah you're not giving that you haven't given that since the first week of the season just no i'm not i'm assuming you guys are both Jokic first place yeah yeah for sure (laughs) i didn't like that didn't like that pause (laughs) <laughs> Did not like that pause. <laughs> well, we're we're both Jokic. I think Jacob is just a lot more Jokic. Jacob's like 100% Jokic. I'm like 80% Jokic. He definitely deserves it though. Yeah, I'm like he, this is one of the best regular seasons we've seen in a long, long time. And I'm I'm maybe in the minority there, but you know what? I've been riding that since like two weeks into the season, and I'm not going to stop now. Well, I, I cannot wait to hear when, when you guys eventually do your, your overstated NBA awards show. I, that's why I, I wanted to keep the majority of it to just what we have today, because I don't want to ruin anything that you guys are going to talk about. I, for one, am going to be ecstatic to hear it. My audience, if, if you haven't subscribed to these guys already, after all the times they've been so kind to come on my podcast, good God, you don't know what you're doing. You, you need to be listening to these guys. You can find them anywhere that, that you can find a podcast. I believe you guys are working on getting the website up and running still, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, I can um confirm an exclusive to this podcast. Even Brett doesn't know. We got a um a draft back last night and um I think that that's like the third draft now, but we are getting very close to the, the conclusion. All right. I am getting the scoops of all scoops on this show then. <laughs> you, I love it. You are. I, I really love it. So with that being said, let's just dive right in. So we're just going to start with the rookie of the year ballot. Um, so I think for all these like quote unquote awards that they've been doing over the last few years for, for the NBA's award show that they air live on TV, you pretty much narrow it down to three finalists. So I kept my ballot at three, but I think for rookie of the year, uh, we're probably all going to agree in terms of the three names that we have on the list. I'd be surprised if we didn't. And we may have some some difference at the top um, for for anybody listening out there who knows the overstated NBA show very well. You know that there's one guy missing who, damn it, I cannot get him on this podcast. It's incredible <laughs> how the schedules just don't line up. 
But Steve Sabatini, I also have his answers to what we're talking about today as well. So these two guys, I'm sure, are going to rag on him a little bit live on the podcast here for 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 sure with some of his takes. But uh, with that being said, I'll just lay it out there. I got LaMelo Ball, number one, as my rookie of the year. I have Anthony Edwards, number two, and I have Tyrese Halliburton, number three. So, Jacob, I'll, I'll start with you. What, what does your order at least look like uh, on the ballot and give me a little bit of insight as to why you ordered the guys as such? Well, I think this is going to be maybe the first controversial take, but I do not have Anthony Edwards in my top three. Shocker. Wow. Wow. I do not. I, I didn't even really consider him. I wasn't sure how many you got for the Rookie of the Year award. I wasn't sure whether it was one, two, or three. I only have my top two because there is a clear top two, and that is number one, LaMelo Ball, and number two, Tyrese Halliburton. Wow. If I I have to give you a third, I'm going to go Emmanuel quickly. You know what? Yeah. Emmanuel quickly. Number three, Jacob Birkinshaw's Rookie of the Year ballot. So why no Anthony Edwards in the top two? I'm curious as – because I think we all probably have a a process – as to how we want to mm-hmm. rate these guys on both teams. We had different metrics we want to use. I mean, I think it's safe to say that we're all going to equate number of games played, role within the team that they've been able to earn their rookie season as probably two of the more important quantifiers to me besides just raw stats. But yeah, why why do you not have Anthony Edwards in the top two? I like watching him play is amazing. It's It's a surreal experience watching after seeing Zion come out last year and then we have Anthony Edwards, who just looks like like a petite Zion when he's driving to the rim. It's it's incredible, but I just don't see a lot of value in what he does. And I totally get like with some of these awards, like I've had to do some curving. Like we're not just trying to judge on what they are this season. We're looking at what their potential, what's what they've shown in flashes. I'm just I don't believe in Anthony Edwards. I don't believe in his potential. And I don't believe he'll ever put it together at that level. Now, I, I hope I'm wrong. That would be amazing because he's like 20 years old. So he's got a lot of time to develop. But I am not a believer in Anthony Edwards. I don't see his role in a good team. And for me to give you the benefit of the doubt, I want to have a picture in my head of what your role can be on a good team. So he, he does make my all rookie teams. He was not in the running for my rookie of the year ballot. So I I was very open and candid multiple times on this podcast when when I was on your guys' show, when when, when you were kind of running through a little bit of a mock draft scenario, I was also very candid there about how I felt about Anthony Edwards as a prospect. And there were, as much as there are strengths to him of just natural God-given ability and talent that he brings to the floor on both ends, there were also a, a lot of flaws from a mental standpoint, from a from a game processing standpoint, there were certain scenarios at the college level in which the game looked to be played a little too fast for him to, to process and, and dive into at times. And, and some of that definitely came from the fact that he didn't play like a high school power um, during his high school years. And he was also a little late just playing up in competition in the game of basketball in general. He was a football player first, and we've all we've all heard all the jokes about him being a football player and not caring about basketball or or thinking he can he could be this amazing athlete on all these other sports teams, but clearly he's being paid to play basketball. That's where his focus is now. 
And I, I think in some areas he definitely made strides this year. Again, I, I wouldn't paint him as like this all NBA type guy, at least not right now. I agree with you certainly in that respect, Jacob, that, that there's definitely some things that he needs to work on for, but just from a raw production standpoint he's leading all rookies and scoring with almost 19 points per game he attempted the most threes of any rookie whether for better or worse obviously some of the shot selection still needs to be ironed out um he's attempted 472 threes as a rookie that that number definitely jumped out to me but just some little things i saw throughout the season obviously he had the scoring outbursts um but but he was he, he was getting better as the season went on as a decision maker like for example, that that highlight play, that posterizer dunk that everybody saw came off of a much better decision to not just settle for the jump shot, but to actually take his man off the dribble, attack the closeout, and get to the basket to make that play. And that's been a criticism of his coming into the NBA was that he didn't look to attack the basket enough. He wasn't aggressive in trying to draw fouls and, and, and get to the line where he could be efficient as well. So there are plenty of things he needs to work on, but just from a raw production standpoint, the fact that he, he pretty much got a starting role very early on in his Timberwolves career, and he's held on to it. And he's had some pretty big games, especially the other night when he was in that shootout. I mean, he, he had one of the better shooting displays for a rookie that I can remember. So, Brett, where, be the tiebreaker, man. Where are you at on Anthony Edwards, and what does your ballot look like? Uh, well, Anthony Edwards was very much in the running for my rookie of the year ballot. I did have to give LaMelo the slight edge, but it was close. It was very close. I went back and forth on this one a lot. And I mean, LaMelo's missed a lot of games, but assuming he plays, I believe uh, Charlotte has six games remaining. That puts him over 50 games on the year in a 72 game season. I think that's enough, especially considering how brilliant he is. And that's really the tiebreaker. I mean, like, he's just been better than Edwards, um, you know, when he's been on the court. If they had played an equal amount of games, it would be LaMelo, no question, okay, if all other things were equal. But the fact that Edwards has played, like, 20 more games than LaMelo brings it pretty close for me because that does have to count. But LaMelo's been better when he's been on the court. I mean, he, his passing is, is transcendent. It's some of the best passing I've ever seen. He's made some of the best passes I've ever seen in my life of watching basketball just in the short time. He's been on an NBA court. I mean, can't say enough about that. And you guys know what I'm talking about. So I, I did go with LaMelo, but as far as Edwards, yeah, close second. Um, I mean, the guys had multiple 40-point games as yep. a rookie. And one of them came in a win over Phoenix, I believe, too. So it's like, you know, it has translated to winning as well. He's going to finish the season with over 1,300 points for sure, maybe like 1,350, which is crazy for a rookie in a shortened yep. season. Um and, and I, you know, I agree with everything that you said. Like, he, he's gotten better going to the hole, being more aggressive. And I'm glad you brought up that, that dunk on Watanabe because the drive leading up to it was a thing of beauty. Like, he almost looked like LeBron the way he was going to the rack on that. I think I remember saying that at the time. Um, and, uh, and with his shooting, like, I mean, he's obviously not a great shooter, but he's almost kind of a rhythm shooter. Like, when he had the 42 the other night, um, once, he once he got a couple of threes to drop, his shot started to look different. It became more smooth. And I think you see that a lot with these guys. Um, I mean, Zach Levine's just got a pretty jump shot period, but, he, but when he has it going, it kind of just takes on this extra uh, degree of smoothness. And I saw that with, with Edwards the other night 
where it was his kind of his standard jump shot, like in the beginning in the first half. But then when he really got it going, I think in the third, um, it just started flowing. And all of a sudden it looked, wow, like really nice. So, I mean, I think he's got a lot of potential as a shooter. Obviously the athleticism is, is off the charts. I mean, literally, you know, like every time he's been measured with anything, it's, it's crazy. He's got this, this combination of like, um, of like burst and strength that you don't really see ever period i mean it's it's pretty rare so uh i mean i think i think he's awesome he's raw for sure but and he's got a long way to go but he has shown a lot of improvement he, like he's at 41 percent shooting on the year from the field but that was like you know probably in the 38 range over the first half of the season and then it was up to 45 like over the last 30 games give or take but um he has certainly shown improvement and it, like with him it, it always has been this way it's about shot selection and when he takes good shots, he makes them. Okay, when he takes a three in rhythm or an open three, like he tends to make them. It's the ones that he forces that he misses. And and it was that way going back to college. So I, I just the improvement has been encouraging. He's still got a long way to go, but based on what he's done this season, I think he's right behind Lamelo when you factor in the games played. I I know you're not like hired by an NBA team to be a shot doctor by any means, Brett. But I I actually really lean to to your knowledge and, and your understanding of of what it takes to to have a good jump shot. You've done that many times in the Facebook group. We talked about players' jump shots. So what what do you think about Edwards's jumper? Because he talked about how he can just get it going, and and when he takes the right shot, he has the ability to make them. I, I've never I don't think I've ever seen a player who like the base of his jumper, he rotates his body and he throws his body into the shot when he's like mm -hmm. gathering and, and, and then ultimately coming forward through his follow through and his release. Like yet he does that, but even so doing that, he'll still make like four or five or four or five threes in a row. Like I just, I don't see players with, with that kind of like a swing your body forward form have great success and yeah some of the percentages could bear out overall that like edward still has a ways to go in terms of efficiency but like he'll still as he pointed out like he'll get on these hot streaks and what what do you think about his jumper because i don't know i don't know how sustainable at least the base of his shot is moving forward to him to actually climb to those upper levels of efficiency where we'd like to see him maybe be like a 36 37 percent three-point shooter on that diet of shot taking yeah, to get more consistent, the base, uh, the lower body stuff is what's going to need to be corrected, just reined in a little bit. I think it's very fixable. Um, and then as far as like the upper body stuff, you know, it looks it looks a little mechanical at times. But like I said, man, when he when he got it flowing, it looks loose. And I just think like speaking very generally, I think that's a, an important thing with shooting is to shoot loose. You just keep your arm loose, keep everything loose. Like Steph Curry's got one of the loosest looking jump shots I've ever like it's so loose. Um, Duncan Robinson's another example, um, you know, like, and I, I think that's very important and it, and it gets overlooked a lot. And I think when Ant has it going, his shot loosens up and becomes a lot more smooth and goes in a lot more often. But I, you see sometimes early in the game, it just looks a little stiff, a little mechanical, a little uh, intentional almost, you know, like where he's thinking about it. Um, and, and you can say this about a lot of guys too, but I just think he's a prime example of somebody where we do see this sort of smoother version of his shot where, where he's more relaxed, more loose. And I just, I think that's extremely important for shooters. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we all have LaMelo ball one. I, I don't really think we need to gush over him too much. I know for a fact that you guys have, have talked about him on your podcast and, and you've been very supportive of his game. We've certainly talked about him here. I had on um, Twitter's at which Carolina 
Lee Branscombe, we talked about the Charlotte Hornets in general and LaMelo Ball. I posed questions to about LaMelo to, to coach David Thorpe, who we were also lucky to have on this podcast. So I don't need to gush about him too much. He's a 16, 6, and 6 per night as a rookie, affecting winning. He's a highlight machine, Brett. As you said, some of the passes he flings are like when he had the like 70 something feet underhanded pass, I was just like, what the fuck is that? You know what I mean? Like you just don't see that from from players in the NBA all the time. So he's been spectacular in his own right. Does he have things to work on? Absolutely. You can nitpick, but for where he is right now as a rookie, uh, he certainly lived above my expectations. He, he's been the player that I think we all thought he could be or could become. I just wasn't sold that he was definitely going to be that reined in and, and that much of a contributor to winning this early on in his career. Um, and, and speaking of having a game that's more well-rounded and contributed to winning Jacob, I'll let you take the reign on the third guy we all have here for the most part, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, what, why are you, I, well, actually I, I can probably understand why you're in love with Tyrese Halliburton being the, 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 the stat aficionado that you are, but regarding his efficiency and his approach to playing in like that off guard slash combo guard type slot. What 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 are you so infatuated with regarding Halliburton's game, and why does he stand out to you so much um, over Edwards in particular? Well, I think you hit on it. Kind of on a more big picture scale is his ability to play as a combo guard next to because coming in next to someone like Darren Fox isn't easy. Darren Fox is an amazing talent, but he his skill set lends itself more towards a one-man show because he's so electrically quick. He is not a good shooter. At least he's a very streaky shooter. I don't want to say he's not a good shooter, Mm -hmm. but he's definitely streaky. For someone to come in, to to play next to that, isn't the easiest thing in the world. And Tyrese Halliburton has stepped in and he just kind of like, like I just like imagine like a team as like a shape and Tyrese Halliburton is just like this glue that just fits everything together when he's out there on the court. Like no matter who he's playing with, his game, like you say, stats-wise, he is like he's just this weird kind of perfect analytic dream of what a kind of a combo guard, an off guard would look like in terms of he doesn't turn the ball over. He shoots incredibly well, like forty percent from three, I think eighty-five percent from the line his mid-range jumper as well as like 45% so he has that in his arsenal he gets to the rim and scores at the rim incredibly efficiently he is just he's come in and there is already basically no weakness in his game and for that to be the case at 20 like I don't know what his ceiling is and maybe from that kind of philosophical perspective you can make an argument well Edwards has these physical talents and if he puts it together his ceiling is way higher than Tyrese Halliburton's but Tyrese Halliburton, I think, is already above Anthony Edwards's floor as a player, already at 20 years old. And for that to be the case, I don't see a world where he doesn't improve to the point of becoming, if not an all-star, a below all-star level player. And already he is close to that. He already might be the second, third best player in Sacramento. I'm just, I, I like to say, I'm infatuated with Tyrese Halliburton's game. Defensively, I think he can improve a bit. He's not not great, but he's big. He's got great intelligence. I totally believe that whatever situation you put Tyrese Halliburton in, even if he is, he can fit just as well as the second best player on a roster as he can as in the fifth best role 
on a roster. And that, to me, is an incredibly valuable thing going forward because outside Lamelo, there is, to me, no player in this draft who is a clear number one option. Like, a, I, like apart from Lamelo, I don't see any of these guys having this clear path to being the best player on our championship team. So saying Tyrese Halliburton has all these skills to be an incredible number two, to me, that's way more valuable than saying Anthony Edwards can become an okay number one option. So that I kind of, I scale it like that in my head where Halliburton's complementary skill set makes him way more valuable than someone who has less interesting primary skill sets, if that makes sense. No, I, I agree with that. And that was definitely my evaluation on him. And, and, and not that I'm saying that any, just any old prospect should go to the Sacramento Kings because we've seen some of those tire fires in terms of their development program over the years. But in Halliburton's case in particular, having De'Aaron Fox there to take some of the pressure off of Halliburton having to, to do absolutely everything himself, particularly scoring the basketball. I think that definitely helps lighten his load, particularly in his rookie year. And it's a reason why I wanted him to go somewhere like that, where he could worry about contributing in all the other areas of the game that he definitely can excel in and not having all of the pressure put, put on him. Um, like, like I don't, I didn't know how much before the draft I wanted him to go somewhere like Detroit where he would have to do a lot more uh, of, of, the scoring and having that much responsibility on his shoulders, although to Jeremy Grant's credit, I don't think any of us saw that coming. I believe maybe they did. I know Coach Thorpe did when he was talking about Grant on this podcast. I didn't see that level of production coming from Grant and certainly from some of the other rookie contributors that they have on that team as well, which we'll get into a little later in the show. But I wanted him to go somewhere we had it where he had a partner in crime who could help him ease his transition into the NBA and kind of let a lot of other parts to his game shine. And, and, and to his credit, Jacob, as you point out, like he, he's like Nirvana for somebody who loves studying NBA statistics and someone who values that level of efficiency so much. Like he, he literally is, he's Nirvana. Like he's shooting well from the floor. He, he shoots a really good percentage from three. It dropped down a little bit as the year went on, but he's still over 40%. Obviously, he's making a good chunk of his free throws. And yeah, you just pick out everywhere on the floor that he could score the ball from or has attempted a shot from. Like he, he, He's pretty much making an efficient mark on top of everything else he gives you from an IQ standpoint, the way he's able to move the ball and get others involved. I, I think some of the defense will come along. I thought he was one of the better off-ball defenders, um, at least from the perimeter in this draft class before he came in. So I think some of that will, will come in time as he continues to just get more familiarized with the speed of the game from a defensive standpoint. Brett, I'll ask you this question because Coach Thorpe was actually more down on Tyrese Halliburton than I thought he would be. Um, he, he actually didn't think that he was probably the best long-term running mate for De'Aaron Fox. Um, do, do you think that he him and Fox are a really good backcourt pairing or do you think there's some weaknesses there over the long game not just in the short term yeah that's so hard to say man i would say i would say it remains to be seen i'm not i, I know it's a boring answer but i'm really not convinced <laughs> one way or another i'm I, i'm i love halliburton i'm not as high on fox as a lot of people are um, mm -hmm. i'm not sold on him as a shooter whatsoever i think he's overly reliant on his athleticism i think just about all the good things he does on the basketball court um are sort of predicated by his his athletic ability he's just so much faster so much quicker than everybody else and his shot just looks so bad sometimes i know it's been you know it's improved for sure but 
Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just wonder what happens when when that guy loses five, ten percent of his athleticism. I mean, what what kind of a player is he going to be? I just think he's got a lot of uh, development to do as as a player. I'm actually I, I, I'm higher on Halliburton long term than I am on Fox. You keep say, him as the starting point guard for the long term. Yeah, yeah, I, I I would if I had to choose between the two, which I'm not saying they're going to have to do, but if if I had to, I would choose. Halliburton long-term I like his game a lot more like I mean you, you said it all pretty much I mean he he defends he he scores efficiently um he's a very high IQ player obviously um could can pretty much fit in seamlessly next to anybody so I mean I do think he'll he'll be fine next to Fox it's almost the Fox thing that I'm not 100% sold on um my, my concern with Halliburton coming into the draft and the reason why I think I had him like 11th on my big board um that was I I, I wasn't sold on his shot okay I, I didn't he obviously we talk about shooting form He's got a pretty funny looking shot. And I really wasn't sure how that was going to translate to the NBA, especially like in terms of shot mobility, but it's, it's worked so far. It looks great. It is um, the arc. It's the arc because he just puts that thing so high in the air and for whatever reason, no matter what angle is shooting from, it just decides to float yeah. down. I can't understand it. I don't yeah. get it, but yeah, no, he's, he's great. He's great though. And, and I'm, uh, he's definitely uh number three on my, on mine. I mean, not, not too much further behind Edwards, I guess. I know uh, Halliburton's going to be out the rest of the season. Not that that's going to make a difference on this at this point, though. But, yeah, he's he's been fantastic. Yeah, to that point, I mean, it was a clear top three. I, I don't really think that that's much of a debate. It's it's If you want to choose somebody else at the top, sure. But I think just in terms of the ballot, those three guys, I think it's pretty uh, cut and dry case. I, I, I can't move on to the all-rookie teams without giving you – who Steve actually picked for his rookie of the year. Jacob, you're going to be pissed, but it's Anthony <laughs> Edwards. He All actually right, picked Anthony is. Edwards as his rookie is. of the year. So it's the bane of my life, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> I will let you guys argue about that one and hash that out on, on your podcast. And I personally will be very excited to hear you guys argue about that one. I, I, that's why I hope you do. hope it's not just like a Facebook group thing. I hope you guys really get into it on the audio waves, but well, we'll move into our all-rookie first team. So, again, three out of the five spots should be pretty easy. The, the three guys that we just talked about, it's really about spots four and five. I'm probably going to be divisive here, and I think you guys all know what's coming. I, I think Brett definitely knows what's coming. Oh, no, I already know. But... I already know. You know what's coming for me, too. <laughs> so, the two guys, Brett and I might have these two spots in common, um, I, I don't know, Jacob, we're, we're probably not going to agree on both of them. Maybe one of them, probably not both of them, but I have Cole Anthony and I have Jaden McDaniels as my last Ooh. two spots on, on, on the first team. Um, so Jaden McDaniels has been arguably the most impactful defensive player in the class so far. Um, when you just combine everything he can do, how versatile he is, almost 90 combined steals and blocks. Um, in the role that he has, he hasn't he hasn't played as many minutes or as has had as featured of a role as somebody like an Isaiah Stewart, who I'm sure we're going to talk about, who actually leads rookies in blocks. Um, but just just what he's been able to do on the court, how he's been able to hold down a solid role for Minnesota pretty much all year long. When he was a late first round pick, a lot of people wanted to write him off. They didn't know what he was going to bring to the table, particularly this early on in his career. Um, but yeah, just given everything he can do on defense, and he's also been able to hit on 39.7% of his corner threes. So he's shooting almost 40% from the corners. He, he gives you that level of defensive versatility, that kind of playmaker that everybody loves to have in a starting unit 
um, or or potentially in like a closing lineup, which he's definitely been involved in some closing situations for Minnesota this year. So I just really like what he brings to the table overall. It's not it's not sexy. He's not doing anything scoring the basketball kind of like what he did in his high school days where he was taking everybody on ISOs and just shooting all over everybody, kind of like giving giving you the Kevin Durant type vibes. But he's carved out a specific role. He's stuck to his guns and he's performed in that role. And just given the expectations he had coming in to me, um, you, Brad, you and I have gone back and forth in multiple times. You and I wanted to stay high on him in the draft process. And so did Cole for that matter, because of what we saw at Washington defensively. Yeah. I, I really like what he was able to do this year. And that's why I'm going to leave him on my first team. And then Cole Anthony, probably the more divisive, at least what I would think up front of the two, but He's had two game winners this season as a rookie, and no, no other rookie in this class can can say something like that. LaMelo Ball has contributed to winning and had some meaningful plays down the stretches of game, obviously, for Charlotte. But Cole Anthony actually has two game winners. He's fourth in scoring for uh, amongst all rookies. Um, and he took on a starting point guard job relatively early, given Fultz's injury. Um, and, and I talked about this certainly in the Facebook group. I'm sure you guys have, have seen some of the comments, but even him and like what, what Killian Hayes has been able to do in a starting spot for Detroit, like it's so hard to come into the NBA as a rookie and play a point guard spot or play a center spot because those are the two positions on the floor that have the most responsibility tied to them. So the fact that Cole was able to come in, not only just contribute scoring the basketball, which we all know that he could score and shoot, but just his ability to run an offense and be a much improved floor general to earn the respect of his teammates, um, his head coach, that that really sticks out to me. And that's, I think, why he still has a high ceiling, a ceiling higher than, than a lot of other people wanted to admit, um, other than us select few, <laughs> Brett Usher, <laughs> uh, okay. coming coming into this year. Because it's not just the three-level scoring attack. It's his maturity, and it's everything he brings to the table from that standpoint as well. And that's why I have those five guys on my all-rookie first team. They've all come in. They, they, they've excelled at what they've been able to do right away. But in, in some aspect here or another, they've also been able to show a level of maturity and a level of responsibility in, in handling their role with class and professionalism. And that's why I have those five guys there. And, and believe me, those two spots, any of the other five guys I have on my second team, you can absolutely make an argument for any of those guys to have one of those first team spots. So that's why I'm really curious. Brett, I'll start with you to hear who you have on your first team. Okay, yeah. Well, there's there's the obvious three, LaMelo, Edwards, and Halliburton. For my final two, I have Isaac Okoro and Patrick Williams. Mm. Um, and they're on there for, for pretty similar reasons, okay? It's a pretty similar argument uh, for both of them. I think Okoro is just a little bit stronger of an example. Patrick Williams, I was close. He was sort of between first and second team, but I'm putting him on the first team. Um, Isaac Okoro has started all 61 games that he's played in this season he leads all rookies in minutes per game he's playing 32 minutes per game he almost always guards the other team's best perimeter player a best player period a lot of the time i mean he's guarded all five positions he guards one through four routinely i mean you name a superstar one two or three if they play the Cavs. Isaac Okoro's been on him all night. So, like, you you name the player, and, and that's been his assignment. Um, I mean, and of course, you know, and we knew this coming in, that he was a fantastic defensive player. 
it was the reason why I've always been so high on him. That That's one of the big reasons is his defense. I think he's really going to be an elite defensive player, like all defensive team for sure, for a long time. Um, and the other big thing is his work ethic. And I think we've seen that in the way that his offense has developed this season. Um, look, he still has a long way to, to go, to be sure. But early in the season, I mean, he was rough. I think he was shooting you know, in the low 30s from the field, um, you know, couldn't buy a three. Uh, but, you know, he he earned that playing time and he, he kept that role because of his defense. But lately he's been turning it up offensively. He's up to like 43% from the field on the season, which is a huge turnaround from, from earlier on, just to think about what he had to do to boost that number like that. Uh, the other night he had 32 points uh, against Phoenix. He pretty much, you know, he almost single-handedly in the final minute, like, forced OT in that game against the Suns, the best team in the NBA record-wise, um, 32 points, an efficient 32 points. And he was chasing Devin Booker around all night on the other end. He was on eight in a little bit. Like, he was doing it all. And um, obviously, that's not going to be every night for him. The offense is, has still been very inconsistent, but it showed us a flash of what he could be. But, you know, we're not so much talking about what he could be in the future. This is the all-rookie teams. This is what he's done this season. And I think he's... I, here's a stat. I, I heard this from uh, Kyle Mann from The Ringer on a podcast recently. He was saying that uh, if we're talking about drives defended, Isaac Coro is eighth in the entire NBA. He's defended the eighth most drives in the entire NBA. And he's in the 74th percentile in terms of points per chance. So that's for a rookie that that's beyond impressive. I mean, he, he's just he's playing a lot of defense and he's doing a good job. And sometimes the advanced stats don't bear that out because he is guarding LeBron and Jimmy Butler and James Harden and Steph Curry. You know what I mean? Dame Lillard. So like he's going to get lit up, but he is out there guarding it. I think he's had the biggest defensive workload of anybody in this class. And, and, and look, and, you know, I love Patrick Williams, too. Those are two of my guys. He's on here for pretty much the same reasons. Started a ton of games, played a ton of minutes often guards the other team's best players. Um, I think he's further along than Okoro offensively, no question yep. about that. Uh, you know, th and that's been, that, that's just been awesome to see, like just the things he's doing off the bounce that, you know, attacking and, and the pull-up jumpers. Like he's got a little more creation ability than I thought he would have at this stage as high on him as I am. But, but yeah, it's kind of the same with those two. It's the defensive workload. It's the starting every game. It's the playing heavy minutes, just the responsibility that they've been given. I guess, warrants them a spot on my first team. Before I let Jacob give his first team, because um, I, I know that he's probably going to have a love, a love affair for for Patrick Williams. I, I, I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much coming at this point. But um, Brent, I got to break your heart a little bit. Okoro didn't make my second team, and he didn't make uh -huh. my first team. And the, the I, I think the reason why I have Jaden McDaniels and that's in one of those 10 spots and I don't have Okoro was because I, I don't think anybody necessarily expected Jaden McDaniels to contribute in, in a big way offensively. If he could find a role, great, um, which he did find a niche. As I said, he was shooting 40% on quarter threes. He found some more confidence as the season went along, getting to the hole a little bit, not 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 taking a, a lot of shots. But I think we expected a little more from Okoro offensively throughout the entire length of the season, only because of some of the things we did see at Auburn, like he would absolutely have stretches where he could take over a game. And to his credit, and I'm glad you brought up that 32 point performance against the Suns, because basically on both ends of the floor, you're right. He, he told him to F off, 
right? Like, like he, he told him to get out of the building. Like that was going to be his game where he was going to prove himself. And, and yeah, they, they, they almost pulled out a, a, an excellent game against the team that's arguably been the best in the Western Conference all year long. I'm sure you can argue Utah versus Phoenix, however much you want, but they're at the very least, they're up there in the top two, right? So that was a very important game for Okoro moving forward. But just that consistency in terms of, I didn't really see a lot of the shot attempts being up there. I didn't see a lot of the same assertiveness that I would expect for somebody um, on the offensive end to be on like an all rookie first team in his defense. And Brett, I'm sure you would agree with this as well, that Cleveland team's been in flux all year. Um, People have been in and out of the lineup. They've had certain things going on on that team, some frustrations. Like I thought that that Cleveland team would be um, better than they ended up you know, finishing the season as at this point um, in the Eastern Conference. And I think that very well could have happened, but just so much has been in flux. And and that affects a rookie too. You know, people don't understand their roles fully. Other guys are emerging and taking more shots. That means somebody's going to have shots taken away from them. So that certainly helps contribute to some of Okoro's deficiencies in terms of an assertiveness and an aggressiveness on offense. But I think he just underwhelmed for me uh, on that end to the point where – he he just didn't make either of my two teams, and I'm sorry to to to, to break your heart because I see the talent. I see the talent moving forward. I'm glad Cleveland picked him. I think he's definitely going to be a, a solid wing piece in their rotation for years to come. He just didn't make my ballot this year, so I I, I apologize, Brad. I hope hopefully you'll forgive me. I mean, it's just the, it's the defense, man. Like I know on offense, he's been a very low usage player. Um, he has probably been in a sense their most consistent presence at least you know he's kind of been there through it all yes this steady hand and I mean just with everything that's been thrown at him he he just takes it all like he 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 hasn't like broken down or you know he's just like he's just out there doing it. he plays hard every night but yeah for me it's the it's just I think he's the best defensive player in this class I think he has been um this season no question about it and again just the minutes um consistency in terms of just showing up you know he's not always gonna have a great game and and the last thing i'll say about him is i think his jump shot has gotten a lot better uh and i mean i I think we can see that with the percentage but they also you know it's been talked about many times uh, from cleveland saying that they're working with him on that that they almost had to tear down his jump shot he had that hitch early in the season and you really don't see that now does it look a little flat sometimes yeah but it looks a lot more smooth he doesn't really have that hitch and i think you can see the work that he's putting in. And again, that's one of the reasons I was so high on him. And I know that's not always like typical criteria when we look at prospects, but I just know he's a worker from everything I've heard, everything I've seen, he works harder than anybody. And um, if he continues to do that, I see no reason why he can't develop into a, a good offensive player. And, and, and I think, you know, that's that maybe not next year, maybe the year after we start to see that take shape. But what I see him ultimately becoming is like a bigger, more athletic, higher scoring version of Marcus Smart. Like mm. something in that mold, but a little bigger, a little more athletic. And I think I think he could be more of a scorer. Maybe he'll never be the playmaker that Smart is, but um I think overall like a better Marcus Smart. That's kind of my my ceiling now for Okoro after seeing him play for a season. But the uh best, the, be- the best thing I'll say about him is that uh, again, like I said, I see the promise, I see the upside. Isaac, if for whatever reason you hear any part of this, I'm going to be watching you, man, for for some of these upcoming futures bets in terms of most improved player. I'm going to be looking at you, man. I really think you have a chance to earn that award over over the next few years. A a large part in exactly to what Brett said. You can tell that he's been working all throughout the season. And I think if you had like maybe another month 
Like if you would have started his his better production like a month ago versus more like in the last like week and a half, two weeks, I think he would have absolutely been on that first team because yeah, what he's been doing of late has been really impressive for for any rookie. And, and yeah, he's been the workhorse. He leads all rookies in minutes played. So yeah, I, I absolutely see it, Brett. And and, and like I said, he, he I'm going to be watching him on some of those awards ballots in the future here. So without further ado, Jacob, I'm sorry I've yammered for so long. What 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 are those spots on your first team, my friend? <laughs> that, that's perfectly fine, Nathan. Um, so I was also the only person that didn't have Ant Man, and I had Emmanuel quickly. You didn't have on my, my first, first team. team. I did not have Ant Man on, on my first team. Come on, I have him on my second team, but not the on my first real. team. I don't. The hate's real, dude. <laughs> look, I did, look. You know who I did have though, Brett. I did have Isaac Okoro. So there's that. I'm glad you're feeling. I'm glad good. you're feeling a coral, man. But how, when was the last time a rookie <laughs> averaged 19 points a game and didn't make the first team? Come on. I mean, yeah, we but 19 have, points we have a game. Different criteria. It's fair. That's what makes this fun. That, but okay. Like, like he is the in terms of value added from his own shooting, the only player to cost more points for their team this year is Russell West. Russ, Russell Westbrook, if I can speak properly, ahead of Anthony Edwards, and that's fine. He's a rookie, but he is a historically bad scorer who's just being asked to score a lot for that Minnesota team. And I just like I'm like, great. You're scoring 18 points on a terrible team. I'm that's that's like totally like I didn't even consider the fact now that you say it, I'm sure for most people, me saying I don't really care that he's scoring 18 points as a rookie sounds you, you insane. don't like empty calories, do you? Like, like, I'm, I don't. like for, when, when we're done with this podcast, I'm going to go consume a lot of empty calories. Uh, and I'm sure that I'll see you guys on Zoom tonight at some point, And I might be consuming even more empty calories in the form of a, a beverage. Who knows? But <laughs> you, you just don't like empty calories, Jacob. You know what? That's fine. You, you can be a much healthier person than, than Brett and I. I'm going to partake in my empty calories. I don't care what anybody says, and that's, but whatever. And that's, that's fine. Like, Basketball is entertainment. Anthony Edwards is way more entertaining than Emmanuel Quickly. Not that Emmanuel Quickly isn't entertaining, but Anthony Edwards is super entertaining. Yeah, I just, I just don't see it. Like we were saying with Darren Fox and Tyrese Halliburton earlier, I'm totally on Brett's side. I would keep Halliburton because I don't see Fox being a number one on a team. And I see Halliburton as a clear number two talent. If I don't see Fox as like a high-level number one, what other role can he play? Same thing with Anthony Edwards. What other role can he play on a team other than an offensive number one? He's not a great passer. He doesn't have the feel for passing. And you can say he can develop that. He can obviously get better. At this point, I don't believe he can ever be- ever become a real like hub playmaker. I don't believe his handle can develop the way elite handles have. Like To me, he is like a bowling ball, ultimately. That is his skill set is to be a bowling ball who can get his jumper off against basically anyone because he's so athletic. That isn't a skill set I'm totally interested in. So it just it just kind of washes over me, this Anthony Edwards. Whereas someone like Emmanuel Quickly, now we're talking he is a super high-level playmaker for a rookie, in my opinion. Off the dribble, he can find guys in the corner. He's a great shooter. I just, when I see Emmanuel Quickly, I see, to me, he is pretty comfortably the best offensive guard on that New York New York team. Every time he comes into the game, I think he gives them a real offensive punch and real firepower 
on that team. And that is, that's borne out in the data. That's borne out in just, to me, the eye test, watching Emmanuel quickly come into the game. Because, yeah, Derek Rose is a bit more savvy, but I don't think he has the playmaking or shooting talents that quickly has, even at 21 years old. So to me, to me, that was actually my third pick. That's why I had him as my third choice for the Rookie of the Year, because after Halliburton and Lamelo, Emmanuel quickly was my third choice on the all-rookie first team. And then I did have Patrick Williams, obviously, because Patrick Williams is everything to me. He is, he's amazing. I am in love with Patrick Williams' game. And I had Isaac Okoro on my first team for just like what um, Brett said. I'm The Okoro stuff is a bit trickier to me. I think it's easy for people not watching the Cleveland Cavaliers, which I don't blame people for not watching them. It's easy to look at Okoro's data and think and kind of not be blown away. But then when I watch the Cavaliers, there is absolutely no way that Okoro is not a big net positive on defense. And But he's not. According to the data, he's not a net positive. But that's more of a meta point to me that, um, like Brett said, Okoro is guarding the best players on the other team every night whenever he's out there. That means whenever he's not on the floor is when the best players on the other team aren't on the floor mm-hmm. either, which is why, to me, the on-off numbers, the plus-minus stuff, it gets really skewed because... You know, if, if Devin Booker's going back in the game, so is Okoro. And he's mm-hmm. probably going to get cooked by Devin Booker because it's Devin fucking Booker. But whoever is replacing Okoro, whether it's like Chetty Osman, whoever, he's going up against, you know, inserts, whoever, like they uh, the Suns are bringing out as their backup shooting guard that night. It's not, it's not an apples to apples comparison. And Okoro, like, I'm worried about his offensive game. And that might just be because I've already been burned by guys like Frank and Tilakina, where like I was blown away by his defensive talent. And I believe the right, if he can just develop offensively, I don't want to give that to Okuro that he's just going to develop offensively. But I, I, I believe that he can, like, I, I hope he can, but I do think Patrick Williams would be my number four choice here. Patrick Williams, his jumper is like, all the indicators are there that he his jumper is way better than people thought it would be. Defensively, he's already a monster. Maybe not on a Kuro's level, close but he's not. a monster. Yeah, he's he's close. He's damn damn good, and he's so big to me. Like like I was shocked to even see that he was only like six seven. I think like he felt like six nine. Well, can I, I clear, watching... you know, just on that because this was something I was going to say yeah. too. Like he, he yeah is that what he's listed at six seven? Okay, he's listed at six seven. So he's a big six seven and like yep. a long six seven. And this is the one thing I'll say about a Coro that I haven't been thrilled with. And there's obviously nothing he can do about it, but he's kind of a small six six. If you mm-hmm. watch him play, like he and this happens every year with guys that look really big in college, and then you see him again in the NBA, and it's like, okay, maybe he's not that big, but and I, I think he's got a little bit of where he plays small sometimes when he goes to the hole. Like a lot of guys do. Blake Griffin used to do this, even when he could dunk on anybody. Like he almost shrinks when he goes to the hole. And Okoro has a tendency to do that right now. So I don't know if how much of it is is the way he's playing or if he just got a generous measurement or if it's his underwhelming wingspan. But he's kind of a small 6'6". Patrick Williams is like a big 6'7". Like, and it, just based on the way the two of them look on the court, you'd think Patrick Williams was at least three inches taller than Okoro, if not more. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I totally agree. And that's why for me it was there was a clear gap. Isaac Okoro, I had borderline in my first team. I wasn't I was stuck between him actually and Beef Stew. Isaiah Stew. Beef Stew. Beef, Beef Stew. Stew. He was he was there. He was on the cusp of my first team until I made an audible at the last minute and put Okoro in. But he was he was right there. And yeah, like like you say, that's partially why I think he's actually been listed at six five. Which is probably more accurate. He probably is actually six five. Yeah, that, I think that six six might have been a little generous. Um, <laughs> but... so, so some of the notes I have on both of those guys, because cool. Uh, well, well, quickly and Patrick Williams specifically, because they were both the 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 leaders on my all rookie second team. Um, Pat Williams. The one of the notes I had was he adapted to a new position while playing twenty eight minutes per night on a team contending to make the playoffs in the East. Um, I think when we all evaluated Patrick Williams coming out of Florida State, he played the majority of his time at like the four spot. And mm-hmm. I think we all agreed, especially when we were talking on your podcast, guys, that if you're taking Patrick Williams with a high pick, you think he can make that transition to be like a wing and be more of a perimeter creator sooner rather than later. And he he definitely had his bright moments at times this season where he showed some of that ability. Um, he, he definitely showed off a nice mid-range scoring game that he had clearly been working on at points at Florida State. Got to show a little a little more of it off in the NBA. Um, and he turned himself into that type of player to at least begin developing um, the, the, the more of those skills and those habits uh, while also being a decent three-point shooter as well from the corners, a versatile defender, um, and as, as I said, promising mid-range shot maker. So, yeah, he, he's, he, he clearly has a lot of promise in his own right. And just a very general statement about about Patrick Williams, like that I like about him a lot, is that he he really plays like within himself, I guess. You know, like a very contained game. It never feels like he's trying to do too much, or even sort of like you know push what he might think his abilities are too far. And I really like that for a kid his age. I just think it bodes really well for his future um, when he's just not trying to get too far ahead of himself, especially on offense um he, he seems just like a really patient kid overall and, and a very patient player on the court agreed um and, and then jacob gave a lot of uh, compliments about emmanuel quickly yeah the fact that he cracked tibbs rotation as a rookie with almost 20 minutes per game um it was sixth in scoring like that to me is a big accomplishment like tibbs doesn't like to play young guys he doesn't like to play rookies all the time he's kind of like pop in that sense uh, but he gave quickly an opportunity. And as you pointed out, Jacob, he's made the most of it. He led all rookies in free throw percentage who attempted more than 100 on the season. And, and the other note, the quick note I have about quickly, no, no pun intended, um, was that he showed he has a go-to, mo- a go-to move in terms of that free throw and in floater that he goes mm-hmm. to so often in his bag. And, and I just want to say that, like, how many rookies or even second-year players for that matter show that they have a legitimate – go-to move that's so hard to defend within like their first two years of being in the league that will carry them for like a decade plus because we know this kid's going to stick around obviously like that doesn't happen very often and that to me is probably what stood out to me about quickly the most i knew that he was a three-point shooter coming in i did not know that he had that kind of a floater that he can go to in his bag and he can shoot it um the furthest out better than anyone else in the nba at least in my personal opinion like that, that that bodes really well for him moving forward. So yeah, quickly has also been impressive. And that's what I mean. Like, that's why this was so hard 
of an exercise because there's so many guys that you can talk about. And we're going to get to the point in this pod, we're going to run out of time where I'm going to have to just give guys shout outs. We won't even really get to <laughs> say much about them. But um, I'll finish up my second team. Um, I had Desmond Bain because he, he led all rookies who attempted more than 100 threes on the season in percentage at 44.8%, seventh in the league while contributing to a team contending to make the playoffs in the West. Obviously a sound decision maker and defender. Like, yeah, De- Desmond Bain, like, ho- holy crap. If you can be top 10 in the league in three-point shooting as a rookie um, on as many attempts that he took, like, th- God, that's so impressive. Like, like shout out to Memphis for for getting a hold of that guy and, and not letting Boston keep him. Because, man, I man, Boston wishes they had him now. Not not that Pritchard or Neesmith aren't aren't good or have promise in their own right, but I I can assure you they wish they had that that pick back. And then shout out to Molly in the overstated NBA group. These two guys, I went back and forth from my second team with Isaac Okoro as well as Jay Sean Tate, because they both obviously have cases in their own right. You guys laid out the Okoro case incredibly well, but I want her to listen to this podcast. No, that, that, that's not the real reason. But I, I would feel really bad if I left these two guys off the second team because Beef Stew led rookies in, in, in total blocks and rebounds per game, fifth in games played. Like, come on. Like, like really, like how, how are we going to count this guy out? And then Sadiq Bey tied for the most three-point shots made at 155 at this point. Again, we're recording this on Friday, May 7th. Um, and he's shot 37.8% on the second most three-point shots attempted amongst rookies. And he's also played in 64 games. So, like, that level of consistency for both of those guys, they've hung on to roles. They, they, they've certainly contributed wherever they could. And they've just played hard. And they've played with a spirit about them. Like, yeah, I, I couldn't leave them off the second team. I, I just couldn't do it. So, um, Jacob, I'll go to you first for the second team since I went to Brett for the first team. Who, who are the guys rounding out your, your all-rookie second team here? Yeah, yeah, we I think we've named we've name checked definitely four of them. Obviously, Anthony Edwards, that's that's a given at this point. I did have Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay on my second team as well. For the same reasons um you said, I think Isaiah Stewart is pretty like unanimously at this point, like head and shoulders above any other player that plays a center position in this draft class right now. And his jumper as well is like a sne- sneakily could like be a differentiating factor for him. It's going to get there. It, he he's going to be like a legitimate three point shooter at that center spot. Like it's going yeah. it's going to come around. Yeah, and with with his shot blocking, with his size and athleticism, that's a scary scary prospect. Like I am I am big on beef stew, and Sadiq Bay, like you say, he is a great young player. Like he is, I, I had Beef Stew as my sixth pick. I had Sadiq Bay as my seventh in this, and then these other guys kind of slotted in. Then it was more to do with who was I leaving out, like Desmond Bain, and the last cuts from my second team, and it really hurt because I really wanted to get him in. But um, and so was Cole Anthony. Actually, I'm afraid Cole Anthony was a cut from my second team. That was a real, real tough one. I had Jaden McDaniels for all the reasons you laid out him in the first team. I had him in the second team, but I am um, I never actually saw any Jaden McDaniels. I didn't know who he was until Brett dropped his big board in the group. 
and had this guy like eighth or something. And I was like, what the fuck is Brett doing having this second rounder <laughs> as his like eighth pick in the draft? And then I think it was like a week or two into the season, I saw Jaden McDaniels play and I I was like, oh my God, I'm all in on this guy. This is like Jonathan Isaac kind of raw athletic mm-hmm ability and like feel as a defender at this kind of wing slash big position it's like he really is like in the mold of the Jonathan Isaac before him the Kirilenko before that the Bobby Jones going back to the 80s that kind of do it all yep really well kind of four position uh defender he is incredible Anthony Edwards we've talked about to death at this point my last guy that made my team Shout out to Memphis, uh, Xavier Tillman. Yeah, there he is. That there was, he is. That was my, my last pick. The guys he was beating out were Jay Sean Tate, like you said, Cole Anthony, Desmond Bain, and Peyton Pritchard were my kind of my final cuts to that team, just to give them a shout out. But Xavier Tillman, from very early on in this season, looked like one of the best defenders to me. Just in general, this in this Memphis team, I think he's one of the best defenders. A team of well-drilled defenders. He he doesn't make mistakes. I mean, I haven't seen him make mistakes really on defense, which he's slightly older. I think he's 22 or 23. I think at this point he might be 23. I'm not sure. But he just looks like a man out there. And he you hear him talk in interviews. You hear how the team talk about him. You hear how like Brandon Clark just sings his praises every time he's out there like this guy is a man amongst boys at this age and to me i'm not sure i think he's getting a bit underrated in this like we talk about the great defensive wings in this draft like patrick williams okuro mcdaniels he is he kind of gets lost in the shuffle there but i absolutely believe he's in that caliber he has the potential to be in that caliber of wing defenders and what a what a draft of wing defenders as well it's Tillman, like, you, you wouldn't even think he's a rookie if you saw him on the court i mean no. it, it's wild like you'd think he's like 32 not just the way he yeah. looks but yeah just the way he plays and just the intelligence with which he plays and i think it's really fitting because his his official full name is xavier tillman senior and it's like how many <laughs> how many nba rookies are already like a senior like obviously he has uh, a son but i just think it's so fitting because he's um, he's pretty senior for a rookie, just the way. Well, here's he plays here's another reason why it's fitting. And like normally, I hate looking at synergy stats for rookies because like you know they're gonna be bad. Like like if you want to sit there and look at synergy stats for any rookie, like you're gonna think just from looking at the numbers that they're bad players, which they're not. They're just coming into a game that's much harder than the game they were previously playing or, or the level that they were previously playing at. So yeah, they're gonna struggle a little bit in different areas. But Tillman was in the 80th percentile in the league in total offense and in the 69th percentile in total defense. So like, yeah, like, like he's the only player that I put down synergy numbers for, because I knew that like, if I looked at his, I bet you I was going to find something interesting. And I'm sure that there's different ways that you can dive deeper into some of those other numbers that are on those pages, but just the, the total percentiles, like, yeah, he, he absolutely deserves a shout out. Um, Brett, who you got on your second team? All right, man. Yeah. And, and Tillman, like he, yeah, that, that's a good call. Cause I don't, I didn't even have him listed as like an honorable mention, but I should have like when I think Valanchunas was out with the concussion and it was before triple J came back, there was a few games where he was just kind of their center, like their only one. And, and he really uh, played admirably. Um, but anyway, my second team 
uh, in no particular order. Although I'd say Sadiq Bay was the closest to making the first team. It was kind of a toss up between him and Patrick Williams for me. So I'll say Sadiq Bay first. Um, shout out to Molly, of course. Jaden McDaniels for all the reasons that we've talked about, just the defensive playmaking. Um, the only thing holding him back for me a little bit is just the playing time and the kind of basic counting stats obviously aren't that impressive, but I test wise and just, um, and, and, and Minnesota's seen some success lately and he's been their starting power forward. He started, I think 25 games this season and, and all of these uh, recent ones um, absolutely love him. I think he's top three, probably for upside in this draft. Uh, and then I've got Emmanuel quickly who I'm not quite as high on him. I agree. He's got one of the nastiest floaters ever. And you were talking about the range uh, from which he can shoot that floater. And I think it might be him and LaMelo number one and two for, for floater range from being able to actually take that thing from like 17, 18 feet. Uh, I think that's kind of like one of these evolutions of the game that we're starting to see Trey Young's another guy. A lot of these young guys have some mean floaters. Sherman Douglas would be proud. Uh, so we got, we got, we got Sadiq Bay. McDaniels, quickly. The thing with quickly, I've seen him on a lot of first teams. Um, and I think a lot of it is because of the Knicks uh, success, you know, and he has a role on that team. He's playing 20 minutes a game on a legitimately good team. Uh, my only thing with that is like, he's not the reason the Knicks are good. Like, I, I don't even know if we can compare him to like LaMelo in the sense of contributing to winning. Like I think LaMelo is legitimately a big part of why the Hornets have been a lot better than expected this year quickly has give him credit like for earning a role on a good team that is hard to do as a rookie especially when you're playing for uh tom thibodeau but you know he's not like the reason the knicks are good but still well worthy of a second team selection in my opinion cole anthony obviously is going to be on there for me the only thing you know with him is the missed games um you know he's, he missed uh what probably close to 20 games anyway so you know i think he would have had maybe a shot at my first team maybe i would have had him over a coral who knows how those 20 games would have gone but but that holds him back but like you said before uh um they like he you know just being able to take on that role of starting point guard at such a young age and it's since he's come back from that injury he's looked a lot better too i mean if we were just basing it on kind of the last few weeks he'd probably be a first team guy for me um, definitely second team. Absolutely love him. Maybe the greatest interview of all time the other night. Happy. <laughs> like, like you, like you mentioned, his second not just game winner but buzzer beating game winner uh, of the season, and he, he's done it in a, you know forty games or whatever. It's, it's absolutely mm -hmm. insane. Uh, and then this one was tough. My last second team guy. I, I got to go with Beef Stew though. I got to go with Beef Stew. I was going back and forth between him and Jay Sean Tate for, for that fifth spot. Maybe I'm knocking Tate just because he's a little older. I don't like think of him as a rookie, even though he is. Maybe it's the fact that he's on Houston. Like, you know, what would he be doing if he was on any other team? Like, not to say he isn't good, but I just think he's more of a um, I don't know. He's just a he's a he's a grinder. He'll he'll be a he'll we need be three teams. That's why we need three teams, because we need to have yeah to recognize all these rookies. So, and but. so let me give my last shout outs too for my kind of honorable mentions. If we had a third team, it would be Desmond Bain, Jay Sean Tate, Theo Maladon, who I considered for my yes. second team. Yes, he was on my third team. Yes, sir. He's been, he's been good. And the other guy that I like a lot, he just hasn't played a ton of games is Kenyon Martin Jr. Um, I almost I <laughs> yeah. actually like, I like him better than Jay Sean Tate as far as like a prospect. I know Tate has done more this season, but I like KJ Martin better than Jay Sean Tate going forward. So that would probably be like my next five. Yeah, Bain was tough to leave off for sure. Um, he's been remarkably efficient with his shooting. And you know what? It's just funny when you look at all these guys, right? These these second and kind of third team guys, McDaniels, Bay, Quickly, uh, Anthony Stewart. Like all these guys were drafted after number 15, if not like in the second round or even undrafted. Like 
So th this was a weird draft. It was a deep draft. There was a lot of, there's going to end up being a lot of steals. I think, um, you know, I think there's been there's just as many quality players drafted after 15 as there were before 15, at least based on what we've seen so far. And that's pretty remarkable, in my opinion. Uh, Jacob, do you have any honorable mentions for us? Yeah, yeah. So I had, like I said, I had um, Jay Sean Tate for similar reasons. Like, he's good. I didn't, I tried to not, like, have that bias of, like, yeah, but he's, like, however old he is, like, 25, 26. I tried to just consider the fact that, yeah, he is a rookie. I still don't think he's better than any of the guys I had in my first two teams. Um, Cole Anthony would certainly be second team if he'd played enough, but he was out of the running quite quickly just because of um, games played and a lot of the inefficiency he had to start the year. Obviously, now he's come back. I think since he came back, he's been averaging like 15, 5, and 5, something like that on better efficiency. If he'd done that the whole year, definitely be in maybe first team conversations as well Desmond Bain as you guys say incredibly efficient it was really disappointing to have to leave him off Peyton Pritchard similar although I think just like a tick below Desmond Bain but obviously he is also fast PP he is already the legend in Boston <laughs> so that's something then three guys that I quickly I wanted to give a shout out to but they weren't really in the running just because of time played. And that is Devin Vassell, Tyrese Maxey, and again, to shout out Kenyon Martin Jr. He was another guy who really caught my eye, even though he's played like 700 minutes or something, but he looks really good. He like does. Defensively, he yeah. looks really good. He's legit. Yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah. The only guy that we haven't talked about who was on my hypothetical all-rookie third team, I don't give a shit. I'm going to stand up for him. He's taken way too hard of a beating lately. I, I know he missed plenty of games, so that's why he couldn't make one of the first two teams. But if the games were there, he definitely would have made one of those two teams. James Wiseman, shout out to my boy. I still believe in you. I still think you have a ton of promise. And you, you're you on my hypothetical all-rookie third team. Um, seventh amongst rookies in points per game, third in rebounding, sixth in total blocks. You deserve to be there, man. You you got you got dealt a raw hand this first year between everything going on, your injuries, but he'll be back. Don't you worry. Um, he was the last guy that I had to shout out, um, who actually did get a shout out from Steve. Don't worry, I didn't forget about telling you Steve's teams. Um, so <laughs> his his all rookie first team: Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Lamelo Ball, Sadiq Bay made his first team. Um, and then Jay Sean Tate actually made his first team. Really? So those were the five guys wow. that he had on his first team. His second team, he had um, he had Isaac Okoro, he had Emmanuel Quickly, he had James Wiseman, Patrick Williams, and I, I think he he meant to give me a different tenth name, but he did have Sam Merrill in there with a little. Weak <laughs> so maybe he just had to be cheeky for us boys at, at, at the end, but. That that was how the rest of his ballot shook out. Um, some guys that we didn't mention here that I'm just going to give quick shout-outs to before we close the pod. Malachi Flynn, man, another guy who, if he was playing like he has been recently all year, he probably could have made one of those two teams, and I still think he's a really good guy to watch for in the future. Uh, we mentioned Pritchard. Chumo Kiki has been – Chumo Kiki and RJ Hampton, um, now that they've gotten more opportunity lately for the Orlando Magic, have caught fire, and they certainly have promising futures in their own right. Shout-out to Najee Marshall, who's gotten a role lately, and he's been uh, very productive down in New Orleans, as well as Kyra Lewis. 
Um, I wasn't as high on Kyra Lewis as some other people were coming into the draft, but some of the stuff he's been able to do off the ball, like his cutting play next to somebody like Lonzo or even when Zion's running the point for that team has been superb. Like, like I'm really impressed with the mature ways he's found to produce points when he doesn't have the ball in his hands from the top of the floor trying to make something happen out of a pick and roll or, or, or trying to be your, your prototypical point guard. So shout out to Kyra Lewis, Killian Hayes, Finally getting the chance to do his thing in Detroit now that he's all healthy. Been balling out again. Another shout-out to Molly. Uh, we mentioned Devin Vassell. And then Josh Green, um, when, when he's gotten chances to play defense in Dallas, when he's gotten the minutes, man, he is so impressive from a technical standpoint as, I, I don't want to say stopper on the perimeter, but just the one rookie I think I'd take in this class, if I had to take somebody to just – keep like a one through three player from, from penetrating or getting into the lane. Who are you going to give me that gives you the best chance of getting that done? I think from a technical standpoint, I'm going to take Josh Green. I shared that on, on Twitter last night when we were talking about some of the NBA rookies. But um, yeah, those are guys who I think definitely need to be deserved. And that's like over 25 names that we've mentioned on this podcast. So a lot of talent came into the league this year. I'm so excited for the future not only that these guys have, but obviously the, the the draft picks that I'm evaluating for this upcoming draft and, and in years to come, the league is in such a great spot in terms of young talent. Um, the the depth is getting pretty insane. It's it, it's going to be if, if it's not easy enough to make a case already right now today, then it's only going to keep getting easier for there to be the the two expansion teams so that we can get a Seattle team back and we can get somebody else in the fold because there there are enough players who could play NBA basketball to fill out two more teams. Um, and, and I really hope that happens in the near future. So guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, where, where can my audience again, find you guys if they haven't found you already, even while they're listening to this podcast, because everybody needs to be listening to you guys. You remind me so much of the starters that show that used to be on NBA TV all the time. Like you guys have such excellent chemistry. You're knowledgeable and, and I love having you on my show. So where can everybody find you guys? Uh, it's called the Overstated NBA Show. Uh, you can find that on pretty much any major platform, and we are on YouTube now as well. And uh, if you want to come talk some hoops with us, you can find us on Facebook uh, at the Overstated NBA Group. It's just called Overstated NBA. We just talk hoops in there kind of all day long, as you know, Nate. Um, so we'd love to to talk to, to any of your listeners as well. And um, yeah, man, thank you so much for having us on. It's always a pleasure, and we're definitely going to have to have you on soon on our podcast because the draft is coming up soon i think i was talking to steven jacob about this the other day how mm -hmm. wild is it that we're gonna have like two drafts within an eight month span or whatever it is, it is. It's, it's insane it's crazy like draft season is already here and i was telling them like i haven't really started like i do my scouting process a little differently and i haven't really started diving deep <laughs> into these guys but i was saying i i want the first step of my scouting process to be talking to you about it and and preferably on our mm -hmm. podcast so we'll 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 figure something out and definitely get you on uh, ours as well yeah that is like almost literally verbatim what Brett said to us in the chat as well. So yeah, we need to yeah we need to get you on to school uh, us on this next draft class coming in. I appreciate the love, boys. Yeah, everyone join the Facebook group. You know when it's active and 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 bad people aren't getting banned all the time. You should shout out to you, Mister <laughs> Mister Jacob, for pissing off Facebook all the time. But <laughs> shout uh, out. That, that, that's going to do it here, guys. So thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe to the YouTube channel, wherever you want to listen to the show. It doesn't matter to me as long as you subscribe, 
leave a rating, leave a comment, let us know how we're doing. Check out the website, draftdeeper.com. Profiles keep going up on there. I'll be experimenting over the next few weeks in terms of how we do the profiles, but more written content is definitely going to be made up this week. So um, keep, keep an eye out for that. Um, and just thank you again for, for all the support, all the conversations we get to have on social media. Follow us on Twitter at DraftDeeper. I'm always on there. I love talking with you guys. I love arguing with you guys. It makes me a better scout. It makes us all smarter. Um, and, and join the Facebook group too, like we've said a, a million times now, because we're always talking hoops in there. And what better way to, to make everybody better than to keep engaging one another and holding each other accountable with some of their basketball opinions. That's why I love to have these guys on because you, you made your case about Isaac Okoro and damn it, you make me feel bad for leaving them even, even <laughs> off my first team. So good, good job guys. You, you, you did your part there. So Thank you, everyone, again, for listening. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day.